Welcome to another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krins. Travis, a happy playoff baseball season to you. Yeah, baseball playoffs are pretty good. Um, Nationals do what they do, which is lose in the playoffs. So, well, Yeah, you got a lot of good teams, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'm currently eating a Black Forest Juicy Burst fruit snack. Have you ever had those before? A what? A Black Forest Juicy Burst fruit snack. Oh, yes. Those are excellent. Do you get those at the Costco? Where do you get those at? Uh, Walmart. Those are excellent. Yes, they are. The Green Apple, by far the best. Those are good. Uh, it's a good, good little fruit, uh, fruit thing. Yep. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's not bad. Let's, um... You want to do baseball playoffs first, or should we just get through the... Off. I think uh, the baseball playoffs take precedence. Okay. So that sounds good. Baseball playoffs underway. And if you and if you are a Dish customer or a Sling customer, you're SOL if you want to watch the Twins. Uh, that you? That's me. That's me. Uh, Dish and Fox better get their poop in a group here very quickly or there's going to be a lot of angry people across this country there already are because they've missed a weekend of football and college football and did you i i did well we were gone anyway the vikings played on cbs so it wasn't really a big deal um you not have fox no we don't have fox no we're one of the 17 stations yeah don't have the don't have the the fox channel don't get fs1 don't get fs2 don't get the big 10 network it's a bit of a big deal it's a bit of a problem if uh, I do say so myself. Smackdown, the, the season premiere, uh, the, the channel premiere of Smackdown Friday night on Fox. That, uh, I, can, well, I can see well, your pain there. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe uh, they can get a deal done before then, but as of now, it has not happened. As we are currently recording, the Milwaukee Brewers have a 3-1 lead. Over the Washington Nationals in the top of the seventh. So, as you said, Nationals doing national-type things. Uh, let's just begin in the NL right now. I If the Nationals play the Dodgers, I would say that the Nationals would have a decent chance. I don't think the Brewers have a chance at all against the Dodgers. But I think the Dodgers would win regardless. Uh, this is a, a pretty good Dodgers team. Clayton Kershaw, of course, manning that staff. Um, you got uh, Cody Bellinger, who does a lot of stuff. What Max Muncy, he's still on that team, right? Uh, he's not injured or anything like that. Who's the um, Who's the other the really good pitcher for the Dodgers, their starter? Um, Walker Bueller. Well, I wasn't thinking Bueller. What, what's the other guy? He's Korean, I think. Engine or you? Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, so the Dodgers, I think we can agree, are the team to beat in the NL. Maybe the Braves, with uh, Acuna Jr. and and uh, their decent pitching staff, and they they have a lot of power, Freddie Freeman and and the like. But um, really, it's about the Dodgers and everyone else in the NL. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't give the Nationals much of a chance just because they don't do well in the playoffs. But I am, Brewers, maybe they may be able to get a game from the Dodgers here. 
Um, Colonels and Braves, that should be good. Braves should win that series. Mm-hmm. Their bullpen can't be good. I'd say their bullpen is the weakness for Atlanta. So, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Dodgers and the Braves, I guess. And if it is, I think the Braves, they lost to the Dodgers, I believe, what, was it five games? Or maybe it was just four games last year. Um, I do think that the Braves have a decent chance in that series. And with the Dodgers, it's always been, well, you know, Clayton Kershaw, get that playoff monkey off his back. And the last couple of years, correct me if I'm wrong, but he hasn't been terrible in the playoffs. It's just that... He still hasn't been able to get over that hump, especially in the World Series. I believe he didn't have the best of outings when they played the Astros a couple years ago. It seems like there's always one inning, inning and it's usually his last inning in which things go go awry. So, yeah, it's just the thing. He doesn't pitch well in the playoffs, or he doesn't pitch nearly as well as he usually does uh, in the regular season. I mean, the teams are better. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not like he's just a, uh, a little worse. Like, he's quite a bit worse than he has been in the playoffs. And, uh, Max Scherzer, if uh, Washington doesn't come back tonight, then uh, Scherzer's teams will be 1-8 in their in his last nine starts. I'm sure some of those, uh, not all of his faults. I'm sure he's had some bad starts and some good starts mixed in there, but... He'll be one and eight, or his team at least will be one and eight if they don't come back tonight. And he was rocked early, and he didn't last very long. So um, Strasburg's in now. So again, even if Washington were to somehow come from behind here and win this, I mean they've already used their two best pitchers, which they have to do in this season-ending game. But yeah, um, Brewers, Brewers kind of bullpenning this game uh, two, three innings at a time, and everyone they've thrown out there so far has been uh, been lights out. So, yeah, Brewers, nobody's, nobody's been better than them for the past uh, three weeks. You know, and people were talking about that, and we talked about it too, by the way. I mean, Suter uh, had a – they the, the, the Nationals had a chance in the fifth inning. They had runners on first and second uh, with two outs, and Trey Turner, who had hit a solo home run in the third inning, ultimately could, uh, just flew out there. I believe uh, Lorenzo Cain made that catch. There, uh, now I was uh, losing my train of thought here. Oh yeah, the Brewers, and we we talked about how great of a run they had in September, but I think it's kind of overlooked that they played against some inferior competition. I mean, give them a lot, give them all the credit in the world for coming back from seven games down and really making the Cardinals earn it against the Cubs that last series of the of the season. But when you're playing the Marlins and the Pirates and the Reds and the Rockies of the world, I would expect a team like the Brewers to be able to take advantage of that. So how, yes, you know, the, the 21-4 is great and the confidence is uh, brimming with this team and it's sky high, but how much can we truly take away from that run if the if their run was against the bad teams? It's like saying, hey, I mean, Kirk Cousins is great. But he's only great against the Bengals and the Cardinals of the world. He's not great. He's not good against the Bears and stuff like that. So, how much can we really take into stock what the Brewers have done? I think quite a bit. They played. I mean, you look back at uh, they played St. Louis in September. They took two out of three. Played the Cubs early in September. They took three out of four. They lost the first game of the series and won three in a row. Uh, the week before that, last week of August, they took two out of three from the Cubs. And okay. Before that, they split uh, split two games with Houston. So 
even if you go back to the last time they played these good playoff type teams, um, they they played well. And uh, it probably I mean, it seems like that with with some of these teams this year, um, Cleveland versus Detroit. What would they go eighteen and one? We've never seen that. Right. Uh, I think Houston went seventeen and two, or maybe even eighteen and one against Seattle. Uh, I think the Yankees went seventeen and two against Baltimore. I think the Twins went. They maybe won fourteen games versus uh, Kansas City, which is which is fine. Mm-hmm. But you just don't see teams basically sweep an eighteen game series against them. I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, you don't you don't see that. And this year, uh, you saw that quite a bit. Yeah. Yes, yep, and you bring up fair points and stuff. Of course, the, what makes the Brewers run impressive is that they've done it the last couple of weeks without Christian Yelich or the last 18 games of the regular season. And uh, credit to ESPN's Bull Shambi for saying it's not a season ender, while those like Rick Sutcliffe were like, yeah, nope, they're done. And here they are, potentially, uh, you know, have a chance against the Dodgers. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition or whatnot. But uh, what the Cubs did. Right. They had a nine-game losing streak. They had a nine-game losing streak. Five of those games were either against the Reds or the Pirates. They had it right there for them. All they had to do was beat Pittsburgh. They got swept against Pittsburgh. So they did not have a difficult schedule. They ended up uh, getting swept in a four-gamer against St. Louis. They got swept in a three-game series with Pittsburgh. So they, they didn't get it done. And then the Cubs, they were... Cubs are probably the biggest disappointment in baseball when it came down to it. Say hi. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, Noah. Uh, not yes. Syndergaard, but... Oh, uh, terrific. Uh, Noah, Noah what, can you say hi to Travis? And uh, who do you like in the baseball playoffs? Oh, he's waving to you. He's, he's waving. He's waving to you. Hello? How am I? I'm waving back. Hello? Hello? Yes. Can, uh, what are we at here? We're nearly two years old, are we not? We, we are, yeah. Two years old? Yes, uh, two, turning two in December. Please. Do you like the Dodgers or the oh, yeah. the Brewers in the playoffs? Yes. Uh, he likes fruit snacks, so uh, we'll go with uh, the Dodgers uh, because he can't like beer yet. He's not 21. And uh, oh, Do you like the Cardinals or the Braves? Oh, shit. Um, he likes the color red. Well, that that's with, for both teams, so... That doesn't really help us much. Uh, what are your thoughts on Clayton Kershaw? He picks his nose, so uh, you know what? That, I think that's uh, I think that's a, a pretty good analysis right there because uh, you know Clayton Kershaw is kind of a booger in the in the playoffs, is he not? There you go. There you go. Good good job. Good job. And uh, are the Dodgers approaching um, Buffalo yes. Bills type territory? Yeah, okay, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Braves got territory. I mean, they what they made it. Uh, they lost to Houston in a great World Series. They won what seven games, and uh, they just showed they won five. You know, they, well, they won one game last year against Boston. So they've been there two years in a row. And they're the favorite to get back, and it, it would be. I mean, their only way they have a successful season here is to win it. They're they're in that position. I would say you look at the teams in the playoffs. The, if the Dodgers don't win it, that would be a disappointment. If the Astros don't win it, right. that would be a disappointment. We're, we're having a slight and, uh, meltdown other, here. I mean, other than that, I mean, if the Yankees don't win, they'll be disappointed, but Houston's probably better. And if the Twins don't get there, that's fine. I would say, right. you know, Houston and the Dodgers are really the only teams that you're saying uh, they're expected to win. 
if, if it's one of, if it's not one of those teams, uh, people will be surprised. And um, I guess just watching these watching these sad national fans is, is so great, so great watching these poor national fans. At least no one got. At least, the, at least the Capitals won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago, so they have that going for them, which is nice. Uh, the only, I guess the only reason I asked that with the Dodgers becoming the Buffalo Bills is that if they make it yeah. to a third straight World Series and don't win it, it's kind of like the Bills making it to four straight Super Bowls and not winning it. I mean, this is uh, it, it's almost it's comical. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of comical at this point. Um if they and don't, they've got win. a lot of guys. I mean, you went down. They got Bellinger. He's he might win the MVP or the at the very least finish second. And their their pitching staffs excellent. And they they made the moves and they've got the guys and they've been the best team for for many years in the National League. So yeah, it would uh, they need that one World Series to cap it off. So we both like the Dodgers in the NL, right? Yeah, I would pick him. I like Walker Buehler. You know, Kershaw, I see what he can do. Uh, Engine Ryu had a great start. He's kind of struggled down the stretch. Uh, but you got Bellinger and all these other guys. That um, that should be fine. I mean, they should win, you know, whoever they play in the, after the wild card. And then, you know, the Braves. Braves, well, you can give them a series. So, yeah, Dodgers. Dodgers are your favorite, but... Uh, I think that... I think the World Series I would like to see. There are two World Series, I guess, that I wouldn't mind seeing. Three. Three. We'll, we'll say three. Uh, Dodgers-Yankees would be good just because, you know, like, all oh, the old Brooklyn Dodgers, so it'd have that New York feel to it um, with the Yankees in it, of course, and, the, and then L.A. and the Dodgers. Uh, and then a couple of World Series rematches. How about Twins versus Braves? A 90... One and about uh, Braves or about uh, Twins Cardinals, so uh, that that would be the the three ideal World Series matchups that I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Twins versus anybody in the World Series. That'd be great. How Twins about the Brewers? Brewers be great. Twins Brewers, yes. Um, other than that, I mean, Yankees Dodgers, I think would be the best for ratings, and also Houston Dodgers, since those are the two best teams. So. Those would be uh, those would be great. I know you'll agree with me here. You would love to see a, a Tampa Milwaukee. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Let's go for <laughs> or Oakland Milwaukee. Nothing says. Uh, oh my gosh, yes. that would be <laughs> that would just be terrible. On the AL side, Houston, you know, going after getting you know uh, Zach Greinke along with Justin Verlander, got Garrett Cole. That lineup is stacked. I mean, it's. It's it's so weird to think that he, you know with as good as New York has been and, and the Twins were as as good as they were this year and I think I saw a stat that had the Twins like the Twins one hundred and one wins would have given them home field advantage in any other year from like nineteen ninety four to two thousand eighteen except for this year so the one year where they are completely dominant they have to run into of course the the Astros and Yankees buzz saws but. With how stacked and loaded the the Astros are, it seems so weird to say. But you know the Yankees, their lineup is so full of power hitters, but they don't have the pitching. Houston is is obviously the most complete team in the American League. Yeah, I mean they're going for it again. So they went for it, and Verlander was a big part of that two years ago. 
and this team appears to be better than that team. They won 107 games. Their offense is excellent. Uh, I mean, there are three starters out there. I mean, Garrett Cole and Verlander. I mean, those are the two best pitchers, I would say, in all of baseball right now. I don't think any other team. Like, if you're ranking the pitchers for the postseason, I think you would put those guys one and two or two and one. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good when, when one team has the two best pitchers in the playoffs and they also have that Grinky, who's, uh, who's pretty good as well. So, yep. yeah, they're the favorite. They're a pretty large favorite, uh, Houston, to, to win this whole thing again. I mean, it is something that we get lucky sometimes. Like, if you have to look back at, at, that, at our TV show or our podcast and all this things that we do. Yep. What were, what, who, who were the two teams that we said, oh, we like this team and we like this team? Uh, these random teams, we really had no affiliation with, with any of these teams. Houston but Ast- we said we like this team and we like this team, and who were those two teams? Houston Astros because of the Sports Illustrated cover, and uh, did we take the Clemson Tigers, I believe, for football? Yes, and those two teams, they are now the best. They yep. are not, they're not just like... Yeah, they won a World Series. They won a National. So they're, they're like the best, and they're it, becoming dynasty now. And we took them before their great run. I mean, this is years and years ago. I mean, with the uh, the Clemson Tiger one was when they still had Taj Boyd. This was yes. what, 2011. Yeah. Yep. And they had a really good start, four and five and six. No, they ended up like nine and three. They got their ass kicked by uh, West Virginia in the Orange Bowl. But that was the start of eight years ago with Clemson. So it's not like we, we saw them uh, three years ago. Like, yeah, Clemson, they're great. Oh, this was eight years ago before Deshaun Watson. Yep. Uh, this was in college Boyd. And Houston, they, they, they hadn't made the playoffs. They were still uh, rebuilding this thing. And then I like what they were doing. Like they, uh, Houston, I, I like that. So they, they've been good here for a while. They were, um, they were the only, they, they were the worst team in baseball. I mean, that's... I mean, they tore it down, and they made a lot of good draft picks. Alex Bregman is amazing. Uh, it seems like most of the guys they call up are superstars, and that usually doesn't happen. I mean, the White Sox are trying that. We'll see how the White Sox are in a couple of years. But so, so many guys, so many guys that they've got uh, this... You know, their, their DH, Jordan Alvarez, they call him up halfway through the year... And uh, I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. He played 87 games to 27 home runs. He had an amazing year. You look at his year, that would be a great season for a lot of people. And he only played half the year. So, um, And and getting Verlander a couple of years ago was huge. Getting Garrett Cole from Pittsburgh is huge. It seems like whatever pitcher goes to Houston automatically uh becomes a superstar if they're a superstar already they become uh, the best pitcher in baseball uh, the Twins traded him Ryan Presley last year who was okay with the Twins last year he was excellent he's been hurt a little bit this year but he's been very good when he's been out there so um, with all the technology in Houston I guess would kind of be in the, in the forefront of that with all the, the new technology and the analytics and the new cameras and everything else that you can take advantage of now they really are, are leading the pack, and, and that's been shown here for the past five years. It's a family affair now, because Brophy's joining the podcast here. Uh, got it. Got an itch. 
Uh, he needs to scratch. I, let's let's focus our attention here on the Twins, and you know they obviously they won the the home run battle this year by one over the Yankees, so that was great. They hit a lot of home runs, and in this series against the Yankees, especially with uh, Herman uh, being out for the Yankees with that. Uh, the domestic violence issues that he's dealing with, the Yankees pitching staff is very weak. Uh, the bullpen is good, but the Twins bullpen has improved uh, as well. Uh, the overall health of the team going into this thing, of course, no Byron Buxton. Uh, I doubt they have. Uh, oh, do they have a rise? Uh, wasn't he the guy who had to go off on a stretcher or a cart or something yeah, Saturday? Yeah. It was only a sprained ankle. It was a pretty bad sprain on Saturday. We know Friday morning, the, the morning of the game, what the roster is going to be. Um, I think if they make the next round, he'll definitely be there. And I think, I think they will put him on the roster. I don't know if he'll play in the first two games. I think there's a good chance they'll play in Game Three and Game Four once they get back to Minnesota. But it, it looked terrible. And obviously, if this was regular season he's probably out for two or three weeks mm-hmm. but he's walk, He's walking on it he can put pressure on it can he run can he play in the field can they use him just as a hitter um, we'll see but it looked terrible but I think there might be a small chance he could be there what is how significant of a loss is this is this more of a significant loss on the batting side defensive side or can they fill in someone I mean the Twins have had injuries throughout the lineup all year long whether that be Nelson Cruz with his wrist or CJ Crone Byron Buxton uh, you name it the Twins have had plenty of injuries on a scale of 1 to 10 how significant is this injury to arise Hmm, maybe a five or a six. Okay. I mean, offense, what he's, he's got a 400 on base. He hit, he hit 334 this year. Played 92 games. He was, uh, he was not a prospect. He was not anybody of note. They called him up and they had to keep him up because he, he kept hitting 400 and right. he kept hitting 350. And I was like, good lord. And he ended up hitting 334. And he just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. Doesn't have any power, but uh, I mean, your on base percentage is 400. Um, so you'll get yourself a job. But they've got Jonathan Scope, who I would say is their worst regular. I mean, kind of push Scope on the lineup, but even Scope's okay. not bad, though. Yeah, he's an average hitter. Um, they don't need to bring him back next year, but he's got some power. He had 23 home runs, so he's fine. I would say Scope's better defensively. Arise is obviously quite a bit better offensively. Um, but it's not a huge loss. This team was so deep. Uh, Max Kepler hasn't played for quite some time, so we'll see what, what his status is. I think he'll play. How good he is, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, other than Kepler and Arise, I, would, I mean, they're, they're pretty healthy. And is Kepler coming back at all, or no? Yeah, I would say he'll be there. He hasn't played in probably two weeks or two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. He's, been all, he's been out a while. So I think it is a shoulder thing with him. So I think he will he'll be on the roster, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be starting in uh, in center field. The Twins have lost 13 straight playoff games. Feels like the majority, if not all of them, have come against the Yankees. Uh, like 10 of the 13, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's so sad. Um, 
they get at least one game in the series. With the Yankees starting pitching in a state of flux, I mean, we don't know what how good Luis Severino is going to be. And, um, you, know, you know, who knows what Barrios is going to be like, but you got Odorizzi. Um, you got, what, Dobnak? Is that... Uh, yes, Randy uh, Dobnak. I mean, that's who I would hope uh, is probably going to start game two or three. So that's, that's what we have. I mean... The Twins, I would say, like I said, given the the Yankees starting pitching woes now and concerns, I would say they have a decent chance to at least win a game or two and maybe even win this series, right? Or the, I mean, the Yankees aren't that much better than them, are they? <clears throat> no, they're pretty even. I think this is the best I've ever felt going into a Yankee series. They got James Paxton, but he had a tight ass the other night, a tight gloops. He pitched an inning this weekend, and they pulled him. So he's their best pitcher. Um, if, if I assume he'll be fine. Uh, but you got him. You got Severino. Who was who that that you said that had the tight glute? Chapman. J- James Paxton. Oh, James Paxton. Okay. Okay. The guy they got from Seattle, who is uh, he's been their best guy this year. I mean, they've yep. had Tanaka. Tanaka's eh. Jay Happ, you can't be putting him out there. Fat CC, I don't know if you want to put him out there. Twins got him pretty good there a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So you've got James Paxton, you've got Luis Severino, who's pitched all of, what, 10 innings or whatever, 10, 15 innings this year. Uh, yeah, 12 innings. So Severino and Paxton, they're very good. But um, health-wise, yeah. I mean, their bullpen is excellent, so I mean, their bullpen very good. Do you know they also call? Do you know they also call James Paxton tight ass because he never buys anything expensive or pays for anything at dinner? Right. So yeah, only that can't. Jury's uh, making a, a hefty salary at that as well. Tight ass Paxton. We'll see how he does. So <laughs> it's it's interesting because you can kind of guess. Yeah, Yanker, um, Dodgers. You know, Kershaw, Walker, Buehler. They're going to start one of those guys first two games. Uh, with these two teams, like, Braille's will start game one. Um, after that, like, do the Twins start Odorizzi in game two? Do they save him for game three? Who is their third starter? It's got to be this Dobnak. It can't be Kyle. It, it cannot be Kyle Gibson. No, no, no. It, like, Martin Perez is the only other starting pitching option. You probably put him on the roster just to have a guy. And at the very least, he can be a mop-up guy to save your other guys if things get out of hand one way or the other. I I would say this. If somehow the Twins can get, uh, like if Odorizzi were to pitch game two and get get the win, you you pitch Dobnik in game three. If Dobnik were to get the win, then you go by bullpen by association for game four. And then you throw in Odorizzi for game five. I would trust Odor. I would. I would. Yes, I would trust Odorizzi over Barrios. And you know what? Odorizzi can, if he only pitches four or five innings, that's fine. Maybe throw Barrios in for an inning out of the bullpen. But I would trust Odorizzi in a game series clinching scenario. I would trust him over Barrios just based on what I've seen uh, over the last couple of months. Between the two, I mean, Barrios, he struggled. There's no other way around it. There's, there's no denying it. And don't you have more faith in Odorizzi right now than you do Barrios? 
Yeah, probably. Brio's had a couple of nice starts, one against Kansas City, I think one against somebody else. At the, at the very end of the regular season, he had a couple of very good starts. So that was encouraging, even against terrible teams. Odorizzi had a great start. He was terrible in the middle, and then last last 10 starts for Odorizzi has been very good. But you're not going to get seven innings out of him, or even maybe six. But, I mean, the bullpens, I would say the bullpens are going to be hugely important mm-hmm. in these games. Because um, I don't know how much you're going to get from your starter. And you've got the two greatest home run hitting teams of all time. So I would say as far as playoff series is, is uh, concerned in this in this round, this has got to be the premier series, I would say. Yep. This, this has got to be it. I mean, this is the two teams that have won 100 games. They've hit more home runs than anybody. That game they played earlier this year was probably the, the best game of all of them that were played. Was it 14 to 12 and yep. 12 innings, whatever it was? An amazing finish, an amazing game, an amazing comeback. That was the best game I saw. So I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great series. I agree as well. Uh, hopefully the Twins win. Unfortunately, I, I until they do. Uh, being that, uh, sorry, the pessimistic Minnesota sports fan. <laughs> Got to go with the Yankees, but I will go with the Astros Dodgers World Series, and I'll go with the Astros winning it all. How about you? I say Twins win this series. Um, I think yeah, Houston Dodgers. I would go uh, Houston as well. I would say as because it wasn't just you and it wasn't just Drew. There were a lot of Twins fans who were very anxious, who were very upset. We're very nervous there with about six games to go or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you were cool, calm, and collected. You stayed the course. Because it's a long season. In the end, they won, they, they won the division by eight games. They won 101 games. They had 307 home runs the most ever. So at the end of the season, they they got by. They had the big doubleheader sweep in Cleveland with about two weeks to go that pretty much sealed it. And then Cleveland really shit the bed. I mean, they were still in it going into that final weekend and they lost to Washington and they lost a few to Chicago and I couldn't be more happy that Cleveland's sitting out the tournament this year. So, Agreed. screw you, Cleveland. You can go to hell. Do you want to do baseball awards at another another week as, they, uh, as the season winds down? We can do them now or whenever, yes. Okay. I mean, guys, I would say very competitive this year. A lot of years it's like, all right, this guy, this guy, this guy. They're gonna win this year. You could uh, you could dissect it. Do you a want? Bit. Do you want to save that for another week, or do you want to do it this week? Yeah, we do it next week. Okay, that sounds good. We'll do that there uh, next week. Cause yeah, I agree. I think it's very competitive, really across all categories except for NL MVP, which is Pete Alonso. I think he would. Or that. no, I mean Rookie of the Year. I'm sorry, NL Rookie of the Year. Oh, oh, I would say yeah. MVP, I mean, Trout should. I hope Trout wins. I would say Bregman has got a good case. Then the American League. I mean, Acuna probably going to finish third or so with Bellinger and Yelich. That's a good back and forth. I think DeGrom should win the Cy Young again. But uh, Scherzer had another good year. Mm -hmm. On the American League side, between Verlander and Cole, their numbers are basically identical. I don't know how you would... Just of all the races at Hale Cy Young, it's either going to be Verlander or Garrett Cole. 
I'm surprised you aren't throwing a Baltimore Oriole in for uh, for Cy Young talk. The Baltimore Oriole, fuck yeah, get uh, their whole team in there. I, I would, I'd probably give it to Garrett Cole, but okay. there's, I don't know, there's no, they're the same. They've had the same season. There's no staff that I've looked at where one is significantly better than the other. Well, I mean, we, manager of the year's got to go to Rocco Baldelli. Yes. If it's not, then it's a bunch of bullshit. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, youngest manager, you know, in the big leagues, a, a team that I had lost 70. I, or, I mean, yeah. It, and I he, he'll be around for a while. I think this Twins team will be around for a while. So definitely be good I mean, There were some see. people last year that were not happy or didn't like they got rid of Paul Molitor. Like, he didn't have a... Didn't have a terrible season. They won what 77, 78 games, seventy nine, whatever it was. And he made the wild card the year before. But it's like you saw it just new guys coming in. They needed their guy, and it's I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. A, a vast improvement. What did they win? Twenty. Twenty two more games, games, I think. Just just the change in philosophy. These home runs. I mean, all the road record I think was seven or eight games better than anybody else on the road. Yeah. So hopefully that's an important thing. I mean, these home runs. If, if, I, if anybody would have said, yeah, the Twins are going to hit more home runs than anybody, not only that, they're going to break the record by 40 home runs. Would, no. Right. That would have been the most absurd thing you could have said. And this is, this is my favorite twin season. I remember them. Well, for the past 20 years, this has been my favorite one. Oh, without, without a doubt. Without question. Uh, the O2 team, I think, would be a close second for me. Uh, and then uh, ten would be third. I think. Uh, I, I will be at game three, and if there's a game four, I'll be going to that as well. Very cool. Very cool. I look so forward let's, to. Let's win some. Uh, I haven't look, gone there this year, so let's um. Let's, let's win a couple games. I'll take take plenty of pictures, and we'll look forward to a a live report next week. Um. So there's that. We'll talk plenty of baseball playoffs throughout the month of October. Uh, the puck drops on the NHL season to tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk uh, hockey next week on next week's podcast with Marcus Traxler, our resident Barry Melrose. But uh, let me get a prediction from you. What what are you thinking for this year? Mm. Mm. What am I thinking? Yeah. Let's go Pittsburgh. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and Nashville. Let's go. All right. There we go. go. Uh, Stanley Cup final rematch from a few years back. Are you interested in anything related to the NHL season? Okay. All right. Good naming five players that play hockey in this this country. How about P.K. Subban? P.K. Subban? Yep. Plays for the Devils now. New Jersey. Got... uh, what, Malkin in? Is he still with Pittsburgh? Yes. Yep, Evgeny Malkin is still with Pittsburgh, as is Sidney Crosby. Crosby, uh, Ovechkin, the Dirty Russian. Yep. Um, some with McDavid, uh, Connor McDavid with Edmonton. Is yes, that right? yes, very good. You've reached five. Yeah. There. And, um, Can you go there's for a couple s- wild guys I could name, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk oh. NHL playoffs with you come April. Great. 
Um, we're, we're in the baseball preview getting ready to start. Yes, right, exactly right. We'll be winding down March Madness. Um, which, speaking of March Madness, the the California, the state of California has signed yes. a fair pay for play act. Um, this has a lot of people heated. I have not read this bill entirely, or really at all. So I, I'm going mainly off of the, I don't know, I guess the the subheaders for this. But it's essentially that athletes can get paid. They're not, they they're getting paid for their likeness or their image. So I don't really see a problem with this. Um. I, I, I just. You think Mike Dom should sell some money from the jerseys they sold in the bookstore? I would. Yep, him and Nate Walters. Uh, think Nate Walters. One of the number three jerseys out there. Yep. Think they should see some money from that? Yes, they should. Yep. They used to what Tim Tebow said there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was so dumb. Tim Tebow, he didn't like this. Um, because he came he from a privileged said, life. He came from a privileged life. Like some of these guys. I mean, yeah, he didn't need money. Right. So he's a guy that comes from parents who, hey, well, it's money. It doesn't matter. He can play minor league baseball and be terrible at it for years and waste his time doing that. So he, he didn't like this. I think his reasoning was, didn't make much sense to me. Something about, oh, when I played 12 years ago, 10 years ago, it was, it was all about the team. I have no idea how this this affects that so I don't know what the hell he was talking about and I saw somebody have a good idea there's, I, mean, I think there's a few other states Pennsylvania, New York, South Carolina that they're maybe trying to do something similar so yep. I'm sure the NCAA will have a big problem with this but I, I hope there's an out clause in this for people like Tebow who can opt out of this Yes, I'm sure Tebow would have made millions of dollars uh, back in the day if this was around I hopefully um, for those folks that agree with Mr. Tebow those athletes that share his view hopefully there's an out clause in which uh, they can find something and say I don't want any money for my likeness I don't want to make the hundreds of thousands or potentially millions of dollars that I could from jersey sales or everything else that comes with it so hopefully uh, there is an out clause for folks who agree with the Mr. Tebow and so Obviously, this isn't like not every athlete is going to have this opportunity. But it's you know what if someone wants to if a car dealership in you know whatever whatever city like you you could say whatever you want to about Brookie like Einspar Auto Plaza or whatever if they wanted to to pay Mike Dom to to do an advertisement for their cars I mean then he should get paid for that you know if. Uh, in terms of like the image and the likenesses, uh, you know, for for video games or what, and I get that this isn't what that's talking about, but it's not like it, everyone's going to do this. But along with it, you would have to sign contracts, and that would be a fairly easy thing for the NCAA to keep track of. How many athletes are doing this now? Would there be some under the table? Sure, probably, but I would say for the most part, if you could well, there try... There wouldn't need to be at this point. At right. this point, there wouldn't need to be anything under the table. It could be all out in the open. Yeah. And, and you could say, hey, but I'm that... getting paid yep. a half million dollars by such and such to do this. 
And Zion like, Williamson, biggest star in college. Zion Williamson, what the hell would he have made last year? Oh, millions. Millions. At least through Nike. College, whatever, whatever these athletes will or could get paid, I guarantee the universities are getting 100 times that much because right. they're going to get their pitch. Yep. But that, and but again, I guess that's that's kind of what I'm saying here is if if there are contracts, then the NCAA will be able to keep track of all that, and it's not going to be every athlete. It's not going to be a ton of athletes. It's really only going to be a select few, maybe from each university. But as long as they all have that opportunity, just like every other student is afforded an opportunity, it shouldn't just be restrictive to the student athlete. I don't understand the people who are against this. I understand. The colleges are because they're corrupt and they're assholes, and the NCAA doesn't want to pay. And all of these, all of this labor and all of these things for free. Right. They get all of the. Besides, Marlins man directly behind home plate off to the right, just just great in this game. Yes. So I mean, they're, they're getting uh, an amazing uh, football, basketball people, something people love to watch, and people spend a lot of money on and the primary reason why we watch the games is, well, it's because of the players. If you didn't have players, you wouldn't have games. So this uh, this is a great idea. This is long overdue. I hope every state and every college does this or has the opportunity to do this because um, it's, it's ridiculous that they don't get, get paid right now. And if you're not with the school or with the conference or affiliated in which it you know, is going to hurt you, I have no idea why I, a normal person would see this as a negative. As long as it just and doesn't... I don't, I don't get the argument either that, oh, you know, so-and-so, competitive-wise, it's not going to matter. Competitive, oh, you're going to have Alabama and all Eastern Duke. They're going to have to offer more money. Uh, it, it's going to get the competitive balance out of whack. It's like, I don't see that happening. Like, no. Right now, what are there? Ten, ten college football teams that can win a, win a national title? It's not right. like... It's the same fucking four schools. It's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Oklahoma, it's Ohio State, it's Clemson. It's those five schools. If yep. anybody else, we'd all be stunned. So it's the bullshit with this competitive balance stuff. Right, and again, it, it's not going to affect everyone. It, just be just be kind to... I, I don't know. I think it's... As long as it doesn't get abused and affect college college sports entirely, which I don't think it would, because it's strictly related to the image and likeness. It's not the it's not paying the players and stuff. It's truly more for like advertisements and stuff, right? I mean that that's how I'm reading this. Which so I think the name of the bill is somewhat misleading, don't you? Well, they get paid. They get paid for. I mean, LeBron James kind of behind this and. I don't understand people that, I don't know, think like all the amateurism of it is going away. I don't consider college sports amateur sports. These guys are already getting paid anyway. So pay pay them for what they're worth. I know Tim Tebow's, his family's got a lot of money and it doesn't matter to him. But what about the guy who doesn't have a lot of money, who's who's a huge star in college, who isn't going to be a pro? Why can't he make a few thousand dollars on the side? Right. He'll never go pro. He'll never make a million dollars. This is his peak. His college years are his peak. He'll never see. He'll, he'll, his his value will never be higher. Right. Why can't he? Why can't he make the money now when um when when he can? 
and maybe he doesn't make it in the NFL or the NBA. I think that's ridiculous that he's not allowed to, to benefit off of being a big star. All right, we are in agreement there, and I'm sure as more of this, you know, this this ruling, this law comes into play with the other states, we will certainly be talking about it more, especially with college basketball gearing up next month. Um, finally, I guess, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about here, but I think Tuesday morning, is this Monday morning or Tuesday morning, for the first time since they signed him, it it's I've come around I think to you to your train of thought that Kirk Cousins just is not the real deal for the Vikings. The Green Bay game last year, this the Green Bay game a couple weeks ago, I think I said and this isn't good enough. Yep. Like we saw that a little bit last year. And like you said, good good team, good teams were not gonna do well. Mediocre teams were probably gonna be fine. And to think we're gonna win playoff games or a Super Bowl with this guy that doesn't even enter my mind anymore. We can't beat a, a winning team, let alone win three playoff games to get to a Super Bowl. So we're, we're at where we're at. I'm looking at quarterbacks in the draft, and that's all it's going to be. And I don't even think it, it's not anything that he really did on Sunday against the Bears because he didn't have any time. The offensive line got abused by a Bears team that Roquan Smith didn't play. Uh, one of their defensive tackles was out. Like this was a shorthanded Bears team on the defensive front line, and they got man. And the Vikings got manhandled all the way through. And Adam Thielen, a we lot of run the ball. I don't know. And Adam Thielen is getting a lot of criticism for calling out his quarterback. I think he's more calling out like Zimmer and the 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 offensive philosophy with a little swipe at. Cousins, like, hey, you got to be able to... to say he's happy and he played well? Right. Because he didn't. He didn't right. play well. Why the hell would you be happy? Uh, Sartre Bion had a pretty good article today. They had some video clips. Offensive line wasn't great, but they showed a few plays where Cousins bailed early. He can't handle a pass rush. He cannot handle a pass rush. I think that's become very evident yep. after watching him for for 20 games, even when the pass rush isn't there, he bails out, he misses too many receivers, the throw to Thielen, he missed that, he's wide open, he overshot him. CJ Ham all of a sudden get like multiple receptions in a game, I don't know what the hell's going on for the second straight week. And there's other guys are open, guys are open, he's either not seeing them or, or whatever, he just sees them very good. And I see a guy like Gardner Minshew. I don't who, just, yes. Six-round yeah. pick. Yep. This fucking kid comes in. I saw a couple clips on Twitter of him. With, I don't know if you saw these clips, too. Him avoiding the pass rush. This guy's dodging sons of bitches like Brett Favre. Yeah, I'm eight, eight him, seconds for that like, for that one touchdown pass. He was in the pocket for like I'm eight seconds. I'm looking at this guy. Yep. This guy's played three NFL games. Kirk Cousins has been around for, what, eight years now. And you look at Gardner Minshew, if I could have any guy in the league, I'd probably pick him as yes. far as guys who yep. could be reasonable to get. I don't know if Jacksonville wants to get rid of him, if Nick Foles comes back, but I would gladly give like a second-round pick to Jacksonville and say, I would like your backup quarterback. Yep. Oh, absolutely. going to be great. I don't know. But I, I sure as hell would want him now than the guy we got. I, I completely agree. I think I to- told you this last week or the week before. Um that watching him against Tennessee, 
I just I just got miserable because I'm like this is a the Viking the quarterback position and the kicker position has eluded the Vikings and just when you thought like hey they got it in Kirk Cousins clearly it's not and then you have a sixth round pick like Gardner Minshew Minshew Magic the mustache doing his thing for Jacksonville I love this guy I will watch you know what we talk about Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and stuff I will watch Jacksonville Jaguars football just to see Gardner Minshew that's how impressive he is and how much I like him. Uh, but the Vikings need to address the quarterback position early, early in the draft next year, um, whether that be with the, the first round. Cousins, like, I don't care about – I've never cared about the money. Shit, Washington's, Washington's ahead 4-3. to three. Way to ruin my goddamn nest. 4-3. to three. I, my, my phone is behind the times here. That's the shit. Boys, that's the shit. They're throwing water and beer. What a mess. End of the eighth, it's 4-3. to three. No idea what happened. Not well, Zimmerman hit a single, so it was first and third, and then... Oh, there was an air. Right, right, right fielder for Milwaukee. Ball coming his way. He was going to scoop it up and got past him. Boy, that's bad. Thing, thing about the baseball, when it sees important games, you just can't make mistakes. The thing about the Twins, they've made way too many errors this year. It's been covered up with the home runs and scoring a ton of runs. Their defense has got to be good because their, their pitching is not good, starting pitching is not good. Their defense has got to – you can't give the Yankees extra outs. That's obvious, but defense has got to be better. With, uh, with the quarterback, I've never cared about the money with him. It's they, they they signed them for what they had to sign them for. Because yes. if the Vikings weren't going to do it, what the Jets were going to give them even more. Yep. I don't care. That's guaranteed. I don't care about any of this. So I'm not concerned about that. He, he's not he's not playing well enough. If he made five million or ten million dollars, it'd still be too much. Exactly. Uh, uh, he's not playing up to that level. So I don't care about the money. The money is irrelevant to me. You just have to play better. Yep. Um, that's all. And he is what he is now. He's what been around for a long time. He hasn't gotten any better. He can't beat the good teams. If the running team's not going, they're going to have a very difficult time winning games. Schedule's pretty easy here for the next month and a half. They've got some minimal games. You got to beat the Eagles next week. I mean, that's got. You got to beat Detroit. But Detroit looks better. You know, the Eagles, an impressive win at Green Bay last Thursday. Um, I mean, I think they can win. Philly Philly can be beat. And I think the Vikings are fully capable. The Vikings are a very talented team. Um, they can win that they can win these games coming up. The the Giants, the 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 Eagles, uh, you know, the Lions, Washington. They can win these games. Uh, go into that game against Kansas City and be five and three. Halfway yep. point be five and three. Yep. And then anything is possible, but something needs to change. Something needs to happen. And uh, right now, we're not seeing that. And uh, come on, so- something. Ha- come on, just either Kirk Cousins either flourish, beat some good teams in prime time or in big games. Just play well, or otherwise, the Vikings, please find the next Gardner Minshew. Someone. Someone like that, please. By all means. I've got, got a list of stuff or something. Something you can write down. Didn't you write down a bunch of baseball players at the beginning of the year or something? I did. Uh, it's probably packed uh, away. You moved, yeah, you moved between then and there. 
put this on your refrigerator. Where the hell you got to put it? I, I don't love a lot of quarterbacks in the draft next year. There's not a lot of guys that I like or that, would, that I would like to have, even okay. if they had the first pick. I don't know if uh, Lloyd I.I. has mentioned this guy yet, if you've talked about the draft for next year already. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Um, North of all the quarterbacks, we, we know a few of them. Uh, there's a quarterback for Utah State. Oh. His name is Jordan Love. I think he's a junior. He's only 20. So we could um, go to the draft. We could come back for a senior year. Uh, fairly tall, 6'4", black guy. 6'4", 225, he's 20 years old. So if you want to remember that name or ask Lloyd I.I. his yes. thoughts about him. Jordan, Jordan Love, quarterback for Utah State. It's funny you I, say I that because... That, the, yes. Go ahead. Like, of all the guys, we're, we're trying to find somebody here. He might be... The wrong things are he might be a first-round pick. We'll, we'll see. If he is a first-round pick, obviously he should come out this year. If not, then he should stay for for his senior year. But as far as, as far as guys who might be good, I would say just the little I know about him. Like, he definitely needs a year on the bench. So do you, do you waste the first-round pick or, or second-round pick on this guy and saying, all right, he's our guy, you come in for a year, Cousins, you do your thing next year, and then uh, Jordan Love. We'll see. We'll see what you got. So, of all the guys, I guess he's the one that intrigues me the most, somebody that if we're looking for a, a name that we don't know much about. I would say Jordan Love out of Utah State. It, I want even if he doesn't go to the Vikings. It, it's funny you. I would s- like to be. It, it's funny you mentioned Jordan Love because I when you said Love, and I was thinking uh, San Jose State. Uh, I know has their quarterback last name is Love. It's Josh Love for San Jose State. Not that I would want a uh, San Jose State quarterback, but it's interesting that you have two quarterbacks with the last name of Love. First initial J in the Mountain West. I don't know. If I, that's a interesting stat of the day. Um, so we'll see what happens. Even yeah, even if he doesn't go to the Vikings, I want to see where this guy goes. If it's this year or next year. Jordan Love, Utah State. I think the evaluators and a lot of people will like him, so I think he'll he could potentially be a first round pick. So that's the guy mm-hmm. that maybe to maybe keep an eye on a guy I wouldn't mind. Drafting high and sitting on a bench for you. Okay. I'm fine with that. I am I totally am. By the way, if you don't listen to... Uh, I know you listen to Dan Patrick's show a lot. I encourage you to listen to the Dan Lebitard show from 9 to noon on ESPN Radio. You can watch it on ESPN News. They do stats of the day, and they're doing it related to the Dolphins. And it's hilarious because they have all these wonderful stats on just how terrible... The Miami Dolphins are the the four team. There are four teams that are currently zero and four. Besides the Jets, uh, that would be Washington. I think they threw the Cardinals in uh, Denver and Cincinnati. Those teams. Let me do some quick math here. Minus seventy six. Minus one. Uh, 17 minus uh, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the three. I don't know. Either way, the the Miami Dolphins have a net differential of negative one thirty seven. The other three zero uh, and four teams. I don't think they counted the the Cardinals in there. Have a a point differential of minus one twenty six or something like that. I mean, this is just. These are the good stats that uh, keep coming up. So the Dan Levitard Show, ESPN Radio, uh, 9 to noon, fantastic show. Um, they make fun of the Dolphins, and it's uh, a lot of just interesting conversation. So uh, if you ever get a break from Dan Patrick, I highly encourage you to listen to Dan Levitard. Miami. Oh, okay, I guess we could beat the Jets, maybe. They could beat Washington next week. I'm in a uh, survivor type thing, and I've picked. I think I've picked against them for three weeks in a row. So, unfortunately, I can't do that this week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't pick Washington. That's too close. But they're a team you can definitely ride. Milwaukee center field. Uh, Washington wins the wild card. The nation cries itself to sleep tonight. <laughs> now, with Washington beating the, or playing the Dodgers no. now, it, I would say that the, the Nationals have a far better chance to beat the Dodgers than the Brewers did. I, I thought the Brewers would get the game. I think Washington gets swept. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that will be the case. By the way, if you're looking for a team in your Survivor League this week, how about New England at Washington? I picked New England to beat uh, Miami a few weeks ago. I went with Kansas City. Was it a Monday night, maybe? Sunday night, Monday night. Kansas City over the Colts. Oh, that's a good one. Yep, I picked... I mean, there's not not a ton of games that stick out this week. So I decided I guess I'll go with... I went kind of gutsy. Not really, though. I picked Pittsburgh for the survivor. Who did they play? Cincinnati. Well, this was faster now. Yes. Well, if you yeah. want to be risky, I mean, what Arizona is at Cincinnati, so if you want to show some cojones, you pick, you know, uh, pick the Bengals this week. Pick one of them. Pick a winless team. You got a 50-50 shot. Yep. I would say you pick, yeah, the Chiefs are a good one, the Patriots, the Eagles. The Eagles play the Jets, though I'm going to say the Eagles for when they play the Dolphins. Um... The Bears over the Raiders in London. Um, yeah, you got some. You got some intriguing ones. I would say the Patriots though, or the Chiefs are probably your best bets. And coincidentally or not, NBA, they're, they're for NBA preseason is here. And we're moving on. Oh, great talk on Wait, the NBA preseason. I'm sure we'll get into it here in a few weeks. After looking at all the stuff and the Clippers and the Lakers and. Houston, all, all the moves. Very eventful offseason for the basketball. After all that stack. Yep. Who was my team last year? The Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets, despite all the big moves, give me the Nuggets to win the one seed. Wow. Wow. Give it to me. Right now, this first day of October, I thought the Nuggets, they got off to a good start. I hopped on the wagon. I think the Nuggets, despite all the big moves and all the all-stars, give me the Nuggets to win the one seed. 
So let it be written, so let it be said, so let it be done. Write down that, write down Jordan Love. That's my things this week. There you go. Anything else before we say so long? Baseball playoffs with the Twins are always exciting. It was 2002? No, 2003. I remember I was in geometry class. I think it was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. I brought my little radio. They were playing the Yankees like at noon. And the teacher allowed me to listen to the game. So Very nice of your West Central teacher. Yes, bringing the radio into class because my baseball team had a game in the afternoon on a weekday. Those are the good things. I mean, the Twins, they've not played well in the playoffs. They've had a lot of memorable games here, a lot of close calls, but... It's, it's good to know they're going to have a couple games here now to think around with. And I say they beat the Yankees because why the hell not? I hope you're right. I really do. Um, but I know the history of being a Minnesota sports fan, so I, I hope I hope like hell I'm wrong, but I think the Yankees win. But okay. that I we will. I think it'll be a good search. Yep. They might get swept. Yankees might kick their ass like they've always done and win games late. But it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a boatload of home runs. And we'll see you tomorrow. And we will talk about it next week. You'll be at game three. Game three is what? Monday? So game four. Yep. Still have no idea what time it is. Don't know if it's at noon. Don't know if it's three o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock. I have no idea. Well, we'll figure out. We'll figure out a time next week to talk and discuss it, whether that's after Game 3 or after Game 4. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about all the baseball playoffs. We'll talk about anything else that's big in the world of sports. Uh, but thank you, my friend. Uh, enjoy Game 3, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. We'll see you. Travis Crins joining us here at Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time. As always, baseball playoffs are here. Get excited, folks. Uh, wonderful time of the year you got. October is great because you have all four major sports playing at the same time. You got the NFL, you got the Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA season will be starting in a couple weeks. Of course, the NHL uh, season puck drops Wednesday night, October 2nd. We'll talk with Marcus Traxler next week, get his thoughts. We'll preview the NHL season in full. I'll try and get Charlie Hildebrand on next week as well. For some college football talk coming up next, though, we have, you know what we, we tried to do this Jackrabbit podcast. It's just really not working. A lot of things, a lot of moving parts, and whatnot. But we're going to get Matt Zimmer on this podcast, the Sports Block podcast, doing away with the SDSU podcast mainly, apart from maybe a couple of uh, maybe Sports Block specials related to the Summit League tournament. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk to Marcus. No, not we are going to talk to, I'm talking with Marcus next week, we're going to talk to Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader, talk about the SDSU football season so far, what he expects when Missouri Valley Conference play kicks off this week. Maybe get a prediction or uh, talk, uh, see what he thinks, what the Twins' chances are here in the playoffs as well. That's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast, which you can find available on podcast.com. Just search the Sports Block podcast follow me on twitter at nd stack and travis grins at travis grins uh facebook 
Nathan Sack, and a link to the podcast posted in the middle of the later part of each week. Coming up next, Matt Zimmer, Argus Leader, SDSU Jackrabbit Talk. It's coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast and pleased to be joined by Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Matt, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with me today. You bet, Nate. How you been? Good, good. How are? I uh, hope everything's been going good with you uh, so far. The Jackrabbits, three and one on the season. Um, what are, what, is, what has been your initial takeaway so far through four games of the season? Um, kind of that everything's going sort of according to the expected path. I think. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really expected them to win their opener in a Big Ten stadium with a freshman quarterback making his first college start and they didn't um i don't think anyone expected them to have any difficulty winning any of their three non-conference home games and they didn't uh obviously the quarterback position jabori gibbs stepping in kind of the big storyline all through camp and him missing two games trying to you know makes it a little bit harder to fully assess where this team is at because if he had played all four games, you probably have a little bit better idea of just what you've got mm-hmm. in Corey Gibbs. But, um, you know, playing as well as they did at Minnesota, you know, it, let's face it, they should have won that football game. They yes, they should have. Yep. Um, so that, that, I think, got things off to a, an encouraging start, even though they didn't get the actual win and kind of probably raised expectations a little bit, which is saying something given they were already very high. Uh, and then those three home games maybe were a little underwhelming for people. But again, you know, backup quarterback, some other factors, not exactly in, uh, opponents that get the blood pumping. So, like I said, I think everything has kind of gone according to plan. And uh, how prepared SDSU is, you know, to take on the teams like North Dakota State and Northern Iowa and Illinois State that look like they're very, very good, too. Mm-hmm. Um we don't really know. We're going to kind of get a clearer picture of that once conference play gets going. Yeah, I would say you know maybe we haven't seen the Jackrabbits really at full strength through what the, their full capabilities are. The the with Jabori Gibbs missing the second and the third games of the season was that strictly injury? And if so, when did that injury take place? Was that at the end of the Gopher game, or was that during practice? No, it was at the end of the Gopher game. He hurt his one of his fingers on his throwing hand. Okay. Didn't think it was a big deal, but when he came back to practice the next week, he was like, oh, hey, this is broken. And uh, they, gotcha. they didn't want to shut him down for obvious reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much that they didn't feel like they could beat Long Island or Drake with Cannon Nelson. They knew they could. It's just that, you know, these were valuable reps for Jabore Gibbs. I mean, the schedule was set up like, hey, you've got some really winnable non-conference games that can give your freshman quarterback a chance to get some reps, build some confidence, establish a rapport with his teammates, and he missed out on that. Um, but they it, that just goes to show you the, the injury was that legitimate. They couldn't take a chance and were able to get him back last week. Uh, and that was really valuable because I really don't think they wanted to go into conference play with Javore Gibbs having played one game and then having sat for a month. They wanted him you know, to get that rapport with his teammates. And plus, you can just tell by watching the games, they're a better team when he's in there. I mean, he's the better passing quarterback of the guys they got and they're a more explosive offense when he's in there i was just going to ask you what did the energy he brings a different energy level doesn't he yeah i mean and for a variety of reasons i mean for one thing he's the most impressive uh most talented quarterback they have i mean just you know from a pure 
God-given athletic standpoints, and and um, he's the best passer they have. Uh, I don't want to knock Cannon Nelson or anything, but Cannon Nelson's a backup for a reason, mm-hmm. you know. And he he came to SDSU as a walk-on. He's not the guy that they envisioned, you know, to be leading their offense. And I thought Cannon did a nice job when he was in there. I mean, he obviously understood that his role was to be a game manager. They weren't asking him to, you know, make plays all over the field and single-handedly win games. Uh, and, you know, they scored 76 points in the two games that he played with him just kind of not screwing up and, uh, you know, making some plays. But then you get Jabari gets back, and like you said, I think everyone on the offense kind of recognizes, like, hey, you know, our QB1 is back. This is our guy. This is the guy who won the job in camp, the guy who was recruited here, you know, to be a four-year starter, to be a star quarterback. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, that gets the entire offense gets excited. They get thinking, hey, this can be a special day. You know, we can do some things on offense. And you saw it. They opened up the playbook a little bit more, and Jaborian made a lot of great plays. And he's obviously still, um, you know, making some mistakes, still working through some things. He's, he's going to play two college football games, mm-hmm. uh, but you can clearly see that there's something there. I mean, that he there's a reason that they brought him in, you know, essentially to be the heir apparent to Jaron Christian. Are there any concerns regarding uh, Chase Vinatieri and the missed kicks he's had early in the season? I think a little bit. Um, you know, it's not like it's. this is not something we've ever seen before. Uh, Chase, I don't remember if it was last year or his sophomore year where he missed a bunch of extra points. Mm-hmm. So there ha- he does have a history of occasionally shanking ones that should be automatic. Uh, he hasn't had very many chances to kick so far this year. I think he only tried like three field goals. Yep. And one of them was really long and he missed it. You don't get upset when a guy misses a 48-yarder. Uh, but you do when he misses a 20-yarder. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll say in his defense is... Chase really has a history of making the kicks that he really needs to make. Uh, he's been clutch over the years. He's made the big ones. Um, and he hasn't had there, – there, there has been no clutch situation for him yet so far. I mean, the 20-yard field goal he missed, the extra point he missed, came in, in blowout wins. So mm-hmm. uh, he still had it for some reason. Seems to have that knack for for hitting it when they need him and, and also has a knack for shanking ones that he shouldn't shake. Uh, but until he starts, you know, costing them football games, missing kicks that, you know, really make a difference, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt because for the most part, through the first three years of his career, he's been there when they've needed him. Absolutely. And he is a Vinatarian. Maybe he gave Adam some pointers, too, and that's why Adam made uh, all three of his field goals and a couple extra points last week. Yeah, maybe uh, they were uh, commiserating over their bad week they had. Yeah, yeah, yep. Just get rid of those. Exercise those demons. Exercise them right now. Um, what has surprised you most? I guess a, a, a pleasant surprise and maybe uh, maybe a not-so-welcome uh, mm-hmm. surprise so far in the season. Uh, I would say the pleasant surprise has probably been the secondary. Uh, you know, four new starters. Two new starters at cornerback. Two new starters at safety. And uh, there was some experience there. I mean, guys like Josh Manchigaya and Don Gardner, you know, those guys have played. Uh, but no returning starters in the secondary. You kind of think, okay, that's what opposing teams are going to do. You know, they're going to pick on these new guys out there and throw the ball all over them. And the Gophers kind of tried that, like, on their first drive of the first game mm-hmm. and weren't able to do it the rest of the game. And none of their following three opponents were able to do it. Um, John Stigelmeyer said that he was a little bit disappointed with how well – Drake was able to throw the ball against them. Uh, Southern Utah had a high completion percentage in the most recent game. It wasn't for a lot of yards. Um, but, you know, they had a senior quarterback, too, and a pretty good wide receiver. So, uh, I, I, and I asked John about it after the game if he was pleased with how the secondary's done through non-conference. And 
he was kind of like, yeah, I guess they've done all right. And I almost felt like he wasn't, like he was selling them short a little bit. I mean, these guys are all new starters. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they've done a really good job. And that was a big, big question mark because he graduated Jordan Brown and what they had on safety. And you don't know what to expect. And obviously, the, especially quarterback, that's a really hard position to play. Right. If you've got two crap, crappy cornerbacks, you're going to get burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the Jacks to have held their own the way they have, at that position, I think is a real uh, positive. Now, obviously, part of the reason the secondary has has done well is because the front seven is also playing very well in front of them. You know, they're getting to the quarterback, they're stuffing the run, uh, they're doing everything they can to make the job easy on them. And overall, I think that's contributed to, you know, again, we've just seen four games, one against a Big Ten team and then three against essential patsies. But this defense looks really good. Like, it might be the best defense uh, that the Jacks have had possibly in their Division One era. Wow, and that's saying something. And then how about on the flip side, maybe something that you were expecting to see them do a little bit better that they haven't so far? Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I don't feel like, you know, you mentioned Chase Minitari hasn't been great. Um, the passing game hasn't been great, but obviously when your starting quarterback is out for two games, that plays a factor, so yep. it's hard to be too critical of that or whatever. But I have, you know, I, I did think maybe the running game would be a little bit more explosive. Uh, and that's probably being a little nitpicky because Pierre Strong and C.J. Wilson have both played well. Um, but you kind of figured against a, a Long Island, against a Drake, that those guys would really, really run wild that they didn't necessarily do that. Uh, part of that is the offensive line, I think, has been a little inconsistent. Uh, they played very well against Minnesota and then I think took a step back against Long Island, struggled with some of the schematic things they ran into. And the last two games since then have been better uh, but I definitely don't think they feel like it's been as good as it can. So I guess to, to give a long sort of roundabout answer to your question, mm-hmm. I feel like the offense just hasn't quite clicked on all cylinders yet. And But again, there's all sor- sorts of caveats you can throw in there to explain that with Gibbs being injured and a lot of other things that kind of play into that. And that's maybe what's so exciting is that we haven't seen the offense really at full capacity, on you know, firing on all cylinders yet, and that would hopefully be something that we will see early on in conference play. I know you kind of touched on it early on here, you know, with Illinois State and of course North Dakota State, Northern Iowa being so good. But what are your expectations? What do you think? Because to me, I think this Jackrabbit team, you know, they've been a dark horse ca- candidate, uh, maybe for national champion, you know, this year uh, outside of North Dakota State. So a lot of people seem to really like this team. Uh, they should be right behind North Dakota State, maybe even better than them in the Missouri Valley, in my estimation, given all the new changes that North Dakota State has. So what are your expectations for this team now with conference play starting up here? Well, I think the fact that they open with Southern Illinois is going to be helpful in that regard. And what I mean by that is um, if they really wipe the floor with Southern Illinois at home in the conference opener, I think that's a pretty good indication that they're going to be really good in the Valley and that they're ready to contend with North Dakota State. I mean, I shouldn't say ready to contend. They've obviously been contending with them for the last few years. They've right. beaten them a couple. But yeah, that they're a legitimate challenger. Uh, but Southern Illinois isn't terrible this year. They have an FBS win. It looks like they're starting to make some strides. So if that doesn't necessarily go that way, if the Jacks struggle with Southern Illinois, I mean, obviously if they lose to them, but even if they you know, have a tough time and that's a really hard-fought game, then that'll, that'll give me a little pause. That'll make me say, okay, if they had a tough time beating Southern Illinois at home, what's it going to look like when they have to play in Northern Iowa, in Illinois State, and North Dakota State? Even though I think they get all those teams at home, mm-hmm. uh, that that's still, uh, obviously all, all of those teams are playing at a really high level right now. 
you alluded to North Dakota State, you know, new coach, new quarterback, a lot of new starters, and they haven't really played anybody either. So it's hard to say, you know, just how great they are. Their freshman quarterback looks outstanding so far, and, and they're North Dakota State. I mean, they deserve the benefit of the doubt until, yep, absolutely. you know, something other happens. But uh, you alluded to Northern Iowa looks really good so far, uh, and Illinois State is off to a good start. So, um, like I said, if I think how the Jacks do against Southern Illinois will kind of be our biggest clue so far of just how good they're going to be in the Valley. It's fascinating to, to think about the potential that this team has. Um, and has just on on the flip side here, just quick, that I'm not trying to take a shot at them, but is, is South Dakota worse than we expected them to be this year? Maybe. Um, obviously that Houston Baptist loss, you know, really got people's attention and, you know, had a lot of Coyote fans kind of jumping off the bandwagon. Um, but for one thing, I don't think Houston Baptist is nearly as bad this year. You know, they were 1-10 last year, mm-hmm. but they got a starters back. Uh, they were a pretty good football team, and I think the Coyotes probably overlooked them. Everyone just assumed, okay, that's the one guaranteed win on the schedule. I mean, it was kind of a perfect storm for an upset, you know. Sure. Um, but, but I also thought that they would bounce back last week and beat Northern Colorado really easily because Northern Colorado is terrible. Um <laughs> And the fact that and they, and they barely beat them. Yeah, now, 14-6, they, I think, right? 14-6. And to be fair, that's a huge step for USD's defense because, you know, they gave up 75 points against Oklahoma and then they gave up 52 points against Houston Baptist. Mm-hmm. So for them to only give up six points against anyone, I don't care if they're playing an NAIA team, they needed that on defense. Yep. Uh, but to struggle to win a game surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly what the expectations were for that team. You know, they had a great year under Chris Strebler a couple years ago. Last year, there was a lot of squawking about how they weren't going to miss a beat, and I never bought that because Chris Strebler was really good. Mm-hmm. And, and and it turned out that, yeah, they missed him, and their defense wasn't very good, and a lot of other things weren't good, and, and they took, obviously, a big step back. Uh, I was at USD's media day this year, and I'll freely admit, I'm just speculating here, but I didn't get a positive vibe from Bob Nielsen that day. I, he didn't sound to me like a coach who felt like, yeah, we're going to be really good this year. I really got the impression, even though that wasn't what he said, just sort mm-hmm. of his, his body language and kind of trying to read between the lines a little bit. The demeanor. I, got, I kind of got the impression that he was like maybe feeling like they were rebuilding and kind of starting over this year. I mean, brought in a new defensive coordinator. You know, yeah, Austin Simmons is a senior at quarterback, but they're really, really young in a lot of other positions. So, you know, if they end up going 3-9 and nine this year or something like that, I don't think it's a huge surprise, and I don't think it's going to cost Bob Nielsen his job either. I think they're definitely, I think there's a recognition within the program that maybe they didn't say outwardly that, yeah, we're kind of starting over a little bit. Finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, how excited you are that the Minnesota Twins are back in the playoffs, AL Central Division champions, and what are your expectations for them in this playoff run? Um, I feel a little bit better about their chances today than I did maybe a month ago. Um, you know, all throughout the season, the bullpen was just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, I feel like if they'd addressed the bullpen, you know, not waited till the trading deadline, or even you know made a couple more moves before the season even started, they could be a, a hundred and ten win team this year. I mean, yep. they're going to end up with a hundred wins, and I can easily think of a half dozen games that the bullpen cost them. That, and we're not talking like oh they blew a one run lead in the ninth inning. You know, I'm talking about blowing a big lead that any de- halfway decent bullpen could have protected. Yep, the Marlins game comes them. to mind. If the Indians didn't have all those injuries, they might have ended up coming back and winning the division. Right. 
Absolutely. Uh, but, they, but to their credit, they did address it. You know, uh, Tyler Duffy and Trevor May got better throughout the course of the season. Uh, Sergio Romo was a great pickup. Uh, I liked the Sam Dyson pickup, even though it ended up not working out. Uh, but that bullpen has become a little bit of a strength now. And obviously the rotation is a huge question mark. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say you're going to go Brios, Odorizzi, and then whether you use an opener or go with Radney Dobek or just a full-on bullpen game in the other games in the series, I don't know. Uh, but that's what's going to give them their best chance. And obviously now that they're getting a little bit healthier, I mean, they're still obviously really banged up. Not having Byron Buxton really hurts. Mm-hmm. But if they can get everyone else back, there's obviously the potential, especially assuming, assuming they play the Yankees in the first round, that they can win some, you know, some 10-7 to 7 type of games. That's going to be their best chance of doing it. Yeah, and this, yeah, it, and that offense, is, it's been so much fun to watch this team this year. It's been the funnest year of baseball that I can ever remember and hopefully if unless you're a dish or a sling customer uh, you get to watch all these games because i believe they're on uh, the the al uh, ds and cs are on fox this year right yeah i'm a, i'm a i got midco with two falls so i've been able to watch and i haven't missed too many games i agree with you this is one of the most fun twins teams i can remember i mean i'm old enough to remember back to the world series teams uh but you know the 2002 team was really fun because yep. You know, they were coming off the threat of contraction, and so there was a lot of emotion behind that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016 got off to such a terrible start and then went on that incredible tear in the second half. That was really fun. Um, but this year, just, you know, being being such a different type of Twins team, you know, who would have ever imagined the Minnesota Twins being the team that holds the all-time record for most home runs in a season? I mean, it's just right. so antithetical to what they always did under previous regimes. Yep. Uh, that's been not only fun to watch because obviously everyone likes the long ball. It's fun to watch teams hit home runs, but it's been kind of satisfying too because for a lot of fans, and I'm knowing what I what you know about baseball, like this is what a lot of us have been saying for years. Like, hey, quit messing around with the piranhas, you know, mm-hmm. with the the pitch to contact guys. Like, go ahead and try to do the stuff that the Yankees and the Braves and all these powerful teams have done over the years. You know, try to like it. it just feels like they finally kind of abandoned this. Oh, we're the twins and we have to do this small ball sort of conservative like no go out there and get a bunch of guys that hit home runs go out and get a bunch of pitchers that throw 100 miles an hour and, and it's been really really fun to see the twins kind of start playing big boy baseball yep. you know i mean that's, that's that's been really fun and their team as constructed right now the hitting wise it's better suited for parks outside of target field it appears because <laughs> I, I don't know. They just seem to hit more home runs outside of target field, and hopefully the, they get a good home field advantage in the playoffs, and we'll see what kind of run uh, they go on. But, uh, you know, it's been a great year, and hopefully uh, they can, can keep playing for another month or so. But, they got road field advantage. That's what they got with all the road games they won this year. I'm glad they don't have home field advantage. Right. First I, I completely agree. Matt, appreciate the time. Uh, as always, I'm sure we'll be chatting later in the season. Uh, but thanks so much. You bet. See you, Nate. Matt Zimmer, Argus Leader. Appreciate his time and perspective. As always, great stuff, great insight. Go to ArgusLeader.com. Matt Zimmer does a great job covering Jackrabbit athletics from all angles, all sports, basketball, football, mainly. I mean, that's what it is. But, um, anyway. Uh, but great stuff there. He's excited about the playoffs, as we all should be. Minnesota Twins, AL Central Champions 2019. See what they can do in the playoffs. Make some picks, some NFL picks. See what else we have and wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. 
time to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast and uh, look back at week four, make some picks for week five in the NFL, as we do every week during football season on the Sports Block Podcast. So let's go to week four. Began with a great game Thursday night, a game that saw a couple of vicious hits. One to Darius Shepard by the Eagles, Jamal Williams running back, uh, uh, Derek Barnett, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive end, leveled a hit on him, and then Andrew Sandejo, former Viking safety, leveled a hit on his own teammate, Avante Maddox, cornerback, late in the game. A couple of players had to go out on stretchers. But it was the ground game. Jordan Matthews and the Eagles rolled all o- ran all over the Packers, and they ultimately prevailed to a 34-27 victory. Aaron Rodgers throws an interception with 24 seconds remaining in the game. They had five attempts inside the five-yard line in the fourth quarter and couldn't get anything. Five passes. It's crazy. Uh, the Giants, Daniel Jones, 2-0 as a starter. They beat the uh, they beat Washington 24-3. Case Keenum gets pulled in this one. Uh, Dwayne Haskins comes in, throws three interceptions, so not a good uh, debut for him. We'll see if he gets the nod this week. Uh, head coach Jay Gruden has not said yet if he will or not. Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back, did not play, unlikely to play this week. Charge the Miami Dolphins had a lead over the Los Angeles Chargers. I repeat, the Miami Dolphins had a lead in a football game this season. It didn't last long. That 7-3 lead, ultimately, they would lose 30-10. Phillip Rivers, Austin Eckler, very good in this one. And the Chargers improved to 2-2 on the year. The Dolphins, 0-4, have scored 26 points on the season. The Raiders, an impressive road win in Indianapolis, taking down the Indianapolis Colts 31-24. Helped that uh, the Colts didn't have T.Y. Hilton or Darius Leonard playing in this one. Uh, There's a very scary, nasty hit by Raiders linebacker Vontez Perfect on Colts tight end Jack Doyle. Perfect was ejected, and now he has since been suspended for the remainder of the season. He has a history of doing this sort of thing. Uh, The Colts, though, ultimately could not come back and beat the Raiders. Each team is now 2-2. Carolina Panthers left for dead after two weeks, uh, two home losses. They win an impressive one on the road, 16-10 over the Houston Texans. They picked off DeAndre Hopkins on a trick play in the red zone which was impressive, Uh, and Kyle Allen, three road starts, three road wins. Hasn't been always pretty, but Kyle Allen getting the deal done for the Panthers, who improved to 2-2. Houston drops to 2-2 as well. The entire AFC South, just foreshadowing, forewarning you, but you know know all this already, entire AFC South, 2-2. The Chiefs and Lions played arguably the best game of the weekend in Detroit. Back and forth, the two teams went five fumbles in the third quarter. All were lost. The Kansas City Chiefs ultimately win 34-30. They hold the Lions. Uh, they had a 100-yard fumble return for a touchdown. An insane game, a crazy game back and forth, but the Chiefs ultimately prevail to remain undefeated. Lions their first loss of the season, but they look better than I think we maybe gave them credit for. Speaking of better than maybe we gave them credit for, the Buffalo Bills Hard-fought battle with the New England Patriots, but ultimately the Patriots prevail 16-10. Tom Brady was not sharp in this one. He'd be the first to tell you. Matthew Slater recovering a blocked punt for a touchdown. First touchdown of his career, the New England Patriots special team ace. Josh Allen, four interceptions thrown. Uh, He did suffer a nasty hit, so uh, so Matt Barkley had to take over for a little bit. 
that didn't go so well. Uh, the Bills lose. We'll see if Josh Allen plays this week for them when they go down to Tennessee. The Browns, very impressive road win at Baltimore, 40-25. to Nick Chubb, three touchdowns in this one, over 180 yards rushing. He was fantastic. Baker Mayfield played well, and the Ravens, that hot start, that 2-0, well, helps when you play the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Uh, games against the Chiefs and the Browns, he has not looked so hot in. And the Browns, that was a very good win to help silence the, the critics. Silence the masses. They win their first two road games of the season for the first time since 1994. Tennessee Titans, whoop, whoop, A.J. Brown, rookie wide receiver from Ole Miss. Huge day. What, three catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns uh, receiving. Marcus Mariota looked good, and the, the Titans beat the Falcons 24-10. The Falcons are arguably the most disappointing team in the NFL so far this year. They look lost. It was, it, not good. Not good at all. Um, they need to find and find themselves and quick. Maybe the most stunning result of the week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into the Coliseum and beating the Rams 50, and it wasn't just that they beat them, they put up a 50-burger on the Rams, 55-40, to 40. Uh, but a couple, at least one defensive touchdown for the Buccaneers, the franchise record, 55 points, Jared Goff threw, what, 67 times, Todd Gurley only had five carries for the Rams, this was not a good performance by the Rams at all, but they've been shaky so far this season, and that, uh... That proved to be the case here in this one. Seattle Seahawks go down to Arizona, beat the Cardinals 27-10. Uh, easy doing here. The Cardinals still winless. But Larry Fitzgerald does move up into second all-time in career receptions, only behind Jerry Rice. Uh, fantastic job by him throughout his career. Uh, we'll see if the Cardinals can maybe get a win here this week. Minshew Magic, the mustache, continues his magical run. Gardner Minshew helps lead the Jaguars back from a 17-3 deficit, deficit to beat the Denver Broncos 26-24 on a last-second field goal by Josh Lambeau. Leonard Fournette, 225 yards rushing in this one, including an 81-yarder to help get the Jaguars out of the shadow of their own goal line in the second half. Big game for the big win for the Jaguars, who improved to two and two, and the Broncos remain winless. Both home losses coming on last-second field goals. You might recall they lost to the Bears on a last-second field goal in Week Two. New Orleans Saints win their first game without scoring a touchdown since 1998. The Saints beat the Cowboys 12-10 in a defensive slugfest. Huge AL. Ezekiel Elliott only 35 yards rushing. Dak Prescott didn't look great in this one. Neither did Amari Cooper. Like I said, defense will show. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't great, but he did enough to get the job done. And that's all that matters. And then Monday night, the Steelers trounced the Bengals 27-3. Sack Andy Dalton eight times. Uh, Mason Rudolph played fine, but not very many passes went downfield. And that's something that the Steelers are going to have to fix come uh, well, later in the season if they want any hopes of salvaging the season. Let's go to Week 5 then, make some early picks. Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I've been very bad in picking the Thursday night game so far this year. I think I've got one win. That was uh, the Jaguars, Week 3. Time to So 1-3 and three on the year. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Uh, the Rams having some issues. And not that I think the Seahawks are all that great. Um, but the Rams have some issues right now. Short week flying up there. I think the Seahawks get it done there at CenturyLink Stadium. 
Then let's go to the games on Sunday. New England Patriots at Washington, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. It doesn't matter who Washington starts at quarterback. The Patriots are going to destroy them. Tom Brady, Sony Michelle, the ground game, everyone is going to have a big day against that bad Washington defense. Patriots rule. Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Josh Allen doesn't sound like he's going to play in this one. That doesn't bode well for the Bills. I like the Titans to get the win in this one. The Bills have a great defense, but Matt Barkley is not the answer for them offensively. Low-scoring affair there in Tennessee. Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Lamar Jackson needs a big game here. Otherwise, the, the critics are going to come back out. Defense needs to play well for Baltimore. I think they do that against the Steelers. Steelers will get some uh, big plays on offense because that Ravens defense isn't very good, but the Ravens are the better team, and they will prevail in this one. New York Jets at the Philadelphia Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Come on, the Jets are winless. Sam Darnold has returned to practice. I doubt he plays. Eagles, Carson Wentz, roll in this one. First London game of the year, the Chicago Bears against the Oakland Raiders, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. This is a home game for Oakland, 5,000 miles away. Khalil Mack for the Bears gets to play against his old team. Think there's going to be any extra motivation there? I think at least minimum two sacks. And it doesn't matter if Chase Daniels or Mitchell Trubisky play, it'll be Chase Daniel. Uh, the Bears will win this one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Last year, opening week of the season, Tampa Bay won a thriller 48-40 in New Orleans. But given what they did to L.A., it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could do something like that again, but I think the Saints hold them off in a lower-scoring affair. Saints ultimately prevail, though, over Tampa Bay. Don't be surprised, though, if the Bucs come away with a win. Atlanta Falcons at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Must-win game for the Falcons. Otherwise, their season is pretty much done and over with. The Texans have not been great. Neither team's been great. I can't pick the Falcons anymore. Atlanta, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, but I'm going with Houston in this one. Arizona Cardinals at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Battle of the winless teams. Uh, both defenses are terrible. Uh, John Ross, the Bengals wide receiver, hurt his shoulder. He's gone to IR now. I should go with the home team in this one, but I'll go. I'll go with the Cardinals. Ugh. Do I have to pick this game? This game sucks. Uh, battle of the '95 expansion teams. '94, '95 expansion teams. Uh, Maybe 94 because it's 25th year. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Let's roll with the mustache. Minshew Magic rolls again. Jacksonville takes down Carolina. New uh, Minnesota Vikings at the New York Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. A lot of things going on with Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen this week. I think a lot of it's been blown out of proportion, but Kirk Cousins needs to have a big game. Passing the Vikings need a win in the most desperate of ways because they got an Eagles team that's coming next week, and that's going to be a tough one. Even if the Eagles aren't at full strength, take the Vikings in this one over Daniel Jones and company. Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers, 4:05 p.m. Eastern, 3:05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Broncos are winless. The Chargers they they keep getting ravaged by injuries, but Philip Rivers, uh, Melvin Gordon should play in this one. He should be effective. 
Chargers, too good, too much. They beat Denver. Uh, Green Bay at Dallas, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Got to go with the boys. Uh, even though Tyron Smith might not play, and that Packers pass rush is pretty good. Cowboys may be a little thin in the secondary, but I think Dallas is just too much oh, against Green Bay. They will run it against the Packers, and they will be effective doing it. I like Dallas in this one. Indianapolis Colts at the Kansas City Chiefs, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. If Andrew Luck were playing, maybe this would be different, but Jacoby Brissett is playing. Who knows if Darius Leonard or T.Y. Hilton are playing in this one. Hopefully they do and make this more of a contest, but Pat Mahomes and company, too much. Uh, Gotta like the Chiefs in this one. And then Monday Night Football, Cleveland Browns at the San Francisco 49ers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. The undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Does Cleveland give them their first loss of the year? I think so. Cleveland, don't 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 make me a fool for picking you. Taking the Browns over the 49ers, which should be a very good Monday night contest. And that's a look at your week five picks. The official picks and predictions found in the stack at stackattack.sportsblog. It's our our football Friday post. You can find it on Twitter at Andy Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack. And as along with this podcast as well. Uh, podcast.com, Facebook, Nathan Second, Twitter at Andy Stacken, uh, Twitter for Travis Crins is at Travis Crins, uh, Argus Matts and Matt Z uh, on Twitter. So thank you to Matt for jumping on and talking SDSU Jacks with us. Thanks to Travis as always. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week. Next week, uh, we have, we'll have an NHL season preview, hopefully, with Marcus Traxler. Charlie Hildebrand will come on and talk some college football. We'll talk baseball playoffs, hopefully Dish. And Fox will resolve their uh, stupid contract dispute, and I can actually watch the baseball playoffs. I can watch the Minnesota Twins. That would be very beneficial and helpful. And with all of that being said, Nathan Second saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Enjoy the football, enjoy the baseball playoffs, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.